Good morning. Let's try it again. Good morning. Good morning. All right, man. Talking about faith. Continuing our series on the heroes of faith. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, 27 through 29. So get your spot there because we're going to be there. We're also going to be in Exodus 2. So if you want to put your other finger there and get ready for that. For those of you who don't, do not know who I am, I am Ramon. I am the student pastor here at Nagshead Church. And it is my privilege uh, to be able to bring you uh, the message today. And uh, so I'm just excited, man. I'm just excited that I have this opportunity uh, to be able to be used by God in this way. So let's start in Hebrews 11, verse 27. It says, By faith he left Egypt. This is talking about Moses, picking up right where we left off from last Sunday. Not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover, and he sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. And by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. I want to start by reminding us about what the author of Hebrews talked about at the very beginning of this chapter. If you go back to verse 1, he talks about faith, gives us a great definition about faith. And it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen. The assurance, church. The confidence, the conviction of things, the proof of of those things that are unseen. In other words, our faith, church, as this whole chapter has been about that, it gives us confidence in what the Lord has accomplished on the cross. Amen. Amen, church. Let me hear you. That's right. We can, be, we, can, we can go boldly before the throne of Jesus because we are victorious in Jesus. The barrier that was broken between us and God because of our Lord, he was our substitute. He paid that penalty for us. This is the faith that we're talking about. His blood paid for our sins so that we don't have to pay for it. And we couldn't do it anyways, church. We're not holy. We're not perfect. Matter of fact, we're born enemies of God. We are imperfect. There's no way that we can match up to an infinite holy God. We have faith that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Even during the hard times, church, the times of trial and suffering and pain, and I know there's a lot of people in here who have gone through some trials, and you might be in one right now, but God says, I'm going to use those good things, and we have heard uh, different stories about God using certain things that seem like it's an impossible thing, that seems like it's just too hard, God. I'm just suffering too much. I'm in too much pain, Lord, that I cannot continue any longer. But God says I'm going to have a purpose for that. And I'm going to increase your faith. After all, all these stories that we've been looking at, right, hasn't it been about ordinary people? Sometimes we like to take these chapters, we like to look at these people and say, those people are way above me. But no, they're ordinary people who dealt with uh, similar issues that we have today, from adultery to lying, to brokenness. But God says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to increase your faith. That's all they had to go on, by the way. They didn't have the completed scripture, the, the, the true word of God like we do today. All they had was what God had told them, what he had laid out before them and said, this is what you will do to bring glory to my name. We heard from Rick last Sunday, 
as he began teaching about Moses, and he talked about the faith of the Hebrew people, right? As, as Pharaoh, at that time, set out this decree that the Hebrew boys were to be killed, slaughtered, because he was, he was fearful. He was fearful of the rebellion, that they were getting too big of a nation. So he said, I'm going to take care of this problem, because I will not have a revolt on my watch, not while I am Pharaoh, not while I am God on earth as he, as he thought of himself. A death sentence. But they had the faith to, to fight back, right, as, as they were hiding their baby boys. And now we know because of Moses and who he is and the point that we're up to now that he was hidden. And that must have been so hard and so scary at the same time. If you can just imagine being a mother and a father, and every, every time you're just looking over your shoulder because you hear a soldier walking by, and your child's life depends on whether they're making any kind of sound or if you're hiding them well. What does this tell us, church? That faith, our faith, makes us a target for powerful forces. We see the power of Pharaoh here against the Hebrews as he has been enslaving them for hundreds of years and he's seeking to destroy their sons. He's seeking to stop them from becoming a nation. You see, there's some real evil at work here. It's not just flesh and blood. He's seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. That is what the enemy was trying to do from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. Yes, church? He was seeking to separate us from God. And he said, if he can stop the Hebrews from multiplying, if he can give this idea to Pharaoh to stop this nation from multiplying, then what else can he do? He can stop them from becoming a nation, and he can stop the birth of the Messiah. But church, we know that that is not true today. 2,000 plus years later, here we are victorious in Jesus because he is victorious. He has conquered death. Man, that's worth, worth celebrating as we're talking here about our, uh, our faith. Let's go back to um, verse 27 here in Hebrews. It says right there that Moses was not afraid of the Pharaoh's anger. L- let's, go, let's turn back because some of you who are very good Bible students or Bible scholars, you've kind of been paying attention. So let's go to Exodus 2 because you might be thinking, wait a minute, there's something uh, not right here. Because I'm pretty sure Moses was scared. Let's look at verse 13, 14, and 15. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely this thing is known. Man, everybody knows that I killed that Egyptian now. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh. Now, we've got kind of a problem there, because we hear in in, uh, Hebrews that Moses, he was no longer afraid of the wrath of the king. He wasn't scared of Pharaoh. But see, it's not talking about the first departure from Egypt, which is what Exodus 2 is referring to. It's talking about the second time, Exodus. Because, see, here's... He had no faith in the beginning, right? He had fear. Fear was, overtook him. He said, I got to get out of here. I got to go. 
because Pharaoh knows what I did. He had fear. That's all he had. He did not have his faith, and now he does. Why? Because when he came back to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go, he had already seen the power of God manifested in front of him. He spoke to him through the burning bush. He had seen the power of God when God said, take off your sandals, Moses. This is holy ground, and I'm going to give you something to do. And, of course, he protested, as we all do, when it comes to God asking us to do something don't we? Because it's hard, man. It takes some faith. That's what we're talking about today. And he encountered God. He had seen God's power through the miracles that he performed through Moses because Moses was scared that, look, my own people will not be convinced that you sent me. And God says, throw that staff down on the ground. Here's what you can do to show them that I sent you. Throw that staff on the ground. So he threw it down on the ground and it became a serpent. All right, I could do that. That doesn't take a whole lot of faith. Now pick it up. Pick up that snake. That's a little bit different now. But he had already seen God working. So he picked it up and it became a staff. Again, not only that, but he said, take your hand. Put it in your cloak. Put it in your robe. And when you pull it back out, it's going to be this mangled, diseased-looking, ugly hand. And he did. And I'm sure when he looked at it, he was like, oh, my God, help me. What have you done to my hand? He said, put it back in your cloak. Take it back out. And it was like nothing had ever happened. Just as healthy as the skin was already. He said, show that to them and they will believe. See, he had seen this. Not only that, but he had seen God at work through the different plagues. So his faith was increased. And that's why he was not afraid to approach the king here in Hebrews 11, as it's referring to, and say, you going to let my people go now? You've seen, Pharaoh, how my God has overpowered your gods. By the way, if you do a little bit of historical studying, and uh, it's, it's funny how God would use plagues that correspond to the gods of Egypt, showing Pharaoh that I am the one true God. I have control over these so-called gods that you are bowing down to, that you are referring to. And it's good to remember, church, as we're speaking about this evil that seeks to destroy us, that it's not just about flesh and blood that we're fighting, but we are fighting against spiritual forces of evil, as it says in Ephesians 6.12. A great chapter about the armor of God, putting on the armor of God, and why does God want us to put on this armor? Because we are fighting against things that are unseen, that seek to separate us and seek to destroy us and move us away from the relationship that we have from God. Fear is the great obstacle that we must overcome when it comes to faith. A.W. Pink, Arthur Pink, he's an English Bible teacher in the early 1900s, and he says this about faith and fear, which I love. He says, faith and fear are opposites, and yet, strange to say, they are often found dwelling within the same breast, but where one is dominant, the other is dormant. When your faith is up here, the fear is almost non-existent, right? It's completely trusting in God, and that's what God wants us to do. But when we're scared, well, we have a little bit of faith, right? And that's not how God intended it to be. That's not what God wants from us. Church, 2 Timothy 1.7 talks about this. It said that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Church, what has God not given you a spirit of? Say it like you believe it, church. God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear. fear. That's right, because... That is of the enemy. But he's given us a spirit of power, 
to be able to do the things that God wants us to do in his name, a spirit of victory in Jesus, am I right? A spirit of love, to be able to love people like Jesus does, to be able to look past their faults. And I, and I know there's a lot of you in here who you can think of what, at least one person that, man, that's a difficult thing for me to do, to have patience with that person, to look at them as Christ looks at them as a marvelous creation that God thinks of them so much that it's more than the grains of sand that you saw in the ocean today. That's how much God thinks about them. Shouldn't we take on that spirit of love? After all, let me say it again. God hasn't given us that spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline in order to be able to live as Christ commanded us to. Fear makes us do lots of things, doesn't it? And sometimes it, it's, a, it, it's good to have a healthy fear, right? If, if you're going to cross the street on the highway, first of all, that's not a good idea. Unless there's a crosswalk. I've, I, I don't know how many people crossed the highway this week when I was driving, but I, I, can, I can at least remember three, and I thought, man, that's such a bad idea. And with a little kid behind them, I hope some of you aren't in here that did that this week. But don't do that, please. Go to the, go to the crosswalk. Um, I, know it takes, I know it takes like 10 minutes to get through that crosswalk, but 10 minutes is, is I, would, I would wait 10 minutes to expand your life that much longer. Because, man, it's just crazy. But that's, that's a good, healthy fear. But... Sometimes fear stops us from doing things as well. Can you agree with that? Stops us from doing things as well. Let me give you some examples. Maybe following God's will for your life. Let's, let's bring it down closer. Let's bring it down closer here to earth. How about just living out what you've already professed in your life? How about just living out what you proclaim, that I believe in Christ Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I will follow him. That's a lot harder thing to do, isn't it? It's easy for us to proclaim, I believe in Jesus, but it's another thing to go out and show people what, it, what a changed life looks like, because if Jesus says, you are a new creation in me, are we showing people that new creation? You're probably thinking, man, Ramon, why are you throwing all this at me? It's because God hit me with it first. And whenever I put together a message, a lot of times I'm a little hesitant and scared because a lot of the times God's hitting me first with it. Um, I, I heard it coined as a, a pastor say that it's called a boomerang sermon. You mean for it to go out and hit people and just convict them, but a lot of times the boomerang just comes and hits you first. And that's what, that's what happened with me. So this, this message is just for me as it is for you. We're so worried, church, about our reputation we're so worried about what our family might say if we're living out this professed faith in Jesus. We're worried about what our employee or our employers will say to us when we boldly proclaim Christ, when we live that life out. It's, it's like I said, living it, not just saying it. All right? And why is this difficult for us to do, church? Why is this a difficult thing for us to do, to live out this faith? You know why. We already spoke about it. It's fear. Fear is what stops us from doing that. Fear gets in the way of our faith. Fear gets in the way of what Jesus has called us to do. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe every commandment that I have given you. Teaching them to observe these things that I have commanded you. Church, that is what 
the Lord has called us to do, right? We cannot make disciples if we're not a disciple ourselves. We cannot teach them to observe all that Christ has commanded us if we don't even know what this says. How can, how can I teach anybody? And I'm still learning. I'm not, a, I'm not an expert by no means because then I would be claiming to know more than God. And that's not truth because God hits me in the head with this all the time and says, you got it wrong, buddy. You're thinking the wrong way. You better start thinking like I think. How can we lead people to the cross when we are scared to carry our own cross? How can we? Let that sink in just for a minute. See, Moses, by faith, Moses, he was able to pick up his staff because he wasn't scared anymore. He was able to pick it up, turn it into a serpent. Why? Because God had already shown him, told him, these are the things you're going to do. Haven't you already noticed the stuff that I have done before your eyes? He had faith in what God had said. God told him to pick it up, and it became a staff again. So how do we, church, as Moses, as he's, his faith is being increased, there's some things we can learn from Moses about increasing our faith. We spend time with God. I know, I know you hear this every Sunday, but repetition is something that the Bible does a lot. Why do you think God repeats things to us all the time? First of all, he wants us to remember it, and we're just hard-headed. We're sheep, right? We just, we just don't uh, all the time remember, and at the same time, God is like, you need to be doing this thing and do it over and over and over again because if not, how can, you, how can our relationship grow? We read his word. It's what we're doing now. We're reading his word. We're spending time in it. We're encouraging one another. We talk with him. You can call it prayer. It's just talking to God like I'm talking to you. That's what Moses did often. He was talking to God. Spend time with God's people. You know, spend time with God's people. Have believers around you to encourage you to increase your faith it's good to see other believers live out their life in front of you because it helps you to want to be able to do the same right if they are imitating christ we should imitate them and we also need to be imitating christ we have to make time to spend time and that takes sacrifice doesn't it a whole lot of sacrifice because time is our most precious thing that we have, isn't it? I love my time, and I wish I had more of it. But you know what? If I had 48 hours, I'd fill up that 48 hours, and I would still would ask for more time. So it takes some sacrifice. We have to be willing to let go of the things of the world that, that so easily trip us up. Talking about sin. Those things that get in the way between you and your relationship with God. What are those things that you can let go now that are decreasing your faith and allowing fear to creep in? Because there are things. You can think about things right now that are a distraction to you. A lot of times my phone is the biggest distraction in the morning. Man, I want to get into the Word of God and that phone says, but, but you got a, some people liking your posts on Instagram now. You got Snapchats from students, you better check. And they snap like a hundred things at a time. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And it takes me an hour to catch up to all the conversation. And I'm like, man, I just don't have time for all of this. I got to get into the Word. And so sometimes that distraction keeps me from getting into the Word. And now I'm starting to worry about the things of the day because God is trying to tell me, Ramon, I'm trying to talk to you. Why won't you talk to me? And I'm like, God, I got to check my Snapchat. 
and you make up the excuse like, oh, this is kingdom work, God. This is kingdom work. I'm investing in the lives of students. He said, well, invest in my time first, and I'll invest in you so that you can invest better in the lives of people around you. Let us not, let us let go of those things that come between us and the Lord because he has, he has delivered us from death. Man, that's enough right there to say, God, I'm gonna spend every moment that I can with you because you have, help, you have crossed, you have helped me to cross over from death to life because I could not help myself. Faith, trust God for deliverance. Verse 28 of Hebrews 11 says, by faith, Moses kept the Passover and he sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. If you go and you read on about the the elaborate instructions of Passover, it's all through Exodus 12 and 13. It's a lot. And it must have been really tough because this is something they had not done before. And it wasn't very cheap. I mean, you got slaves and God is telling you, you need to take your, your unblemished, perfect lamb and I need you to sacrifice it. That's like taking a year's paycheck and throwing it into the fire for them. I mean, slaves, they got nothing. They got nothing but their little lambs, but God makes a way for them. He says, look, if you, uh, if you don't have enough, if, it's, if your family's too small or, and you don't have this lamb, you don't have the money, join up with another family. I got you covered. All right? Join up with another family, as Exodus 12, 4 says. And the blood says, yet the blood of this lamb has to be applied on the doorframe, the lintel, and the doorframes of their homes. This is what you have to do. Exodus twelve thirteen. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This is talking about the final plague. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. No plague. Let me, let me, let me show you something here. Do you notice that it's, this is not just a plague for the Egyptians now, but he's warning the Jews as well, the Hebrews. If you don't do this thing, this plague will come onto you too. Not, so, so there's no favoritism here because this is some serious stuff. Sacrifice for sin is serious, and we know that this didn't really take away the sins of these people, but it was a picture because it's trying to, God is trying to show them a picture of what? Our Passover lamb. Who is our Passover lamb? Jesus. That's our Passover lamb, right? It's a type. It's a picture. He's, he's letting them know. He, the one that died for our sins. John one twenty nine says this. The next day, here's John the Baptist. And man, it must have been just such a wonderful sight. And I can see it in my mind as he's, as he's there in the river. And he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Man, amen. Finally, here he comes. Behold, the lamb that comes to take away the sin of the world. That's, that must have been just a, a marvelous moment for him. They couldn't just, the Hebrews, they couldn't just believe in God. Just simply say, I believe in God. I am born a Hebrew now. I don't have to do this sacrifice. They couldn't just say that, all right? Because this, again, this was something not to be taken lightly. They couldn't just say, man, hey, guess what? I just believe in God. I'm good. Um, I don't have to go kill my lamb uh, because I need that. Uh, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm a born Hebrew. I'm God's chosen people. I don't need to do this thing. Here's the deal. If you're counting on your heritage or your good works or even just your head knowledge 
of just, I believe in God, you've fallen short. James 2.19, great book, great letter, says, you believe there is one God, good. Hey, that's awesome. You're on the right track. You believe there's one God, good. But the demons believe that too. And they tremble with fear. They tremble with fear because the demons aren't going to be before the Lord. We already know where they're going to be. They've already lost, by the way, church. We are victorious. We're sitting here victorious. Those of us who have claimed Jesus as Savior, keep that in mind. But those of us who are not here, who maybe you are counting on your, just your head knowledge, just, well, I believe in God, Ramon. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. Except through me. Because the Father has brought them, us, to the Lord. It is because of what Jesus has done. If you're counting on your heritage, like these Hebrews may have been questioning, uh, man, man, my daddy was a pastor. My granddaddy was a pastor. And his granddaddy started the first Baptist church in the Americas, which we have no clue. There's so many first Baptist church, I don't even know where to begin. Or just simply because, man, I've been a church member for 30 years. I got me a little slat on the wall. It says my name. I got, me, I got my tombstone picked out in my graveyard. My daddy and my granddaddy and my mama, they're all buried there. That ain't go- Guess what? That tombstone, all that, that little slat on the wall with your name on it, it's going to stay right there. You ain't going to carry that to heaven. It's what's here. It's what's, what's, it's what's your, your heart, what you're believing. Your faith in Christ. Not the things that you've done, but the things that Christ has already done for you is what matters. And maybe you're here today. You have not trusted in Jesus as your Savior. You're hearing all this stuff and you're like, man, Ramon, I've never come to that point in my life. I was counting on my good works. I was counting on this this, uh, uh, godly scale of good and bad, and God's going to put all my good on there and he's going to say, oh man, you know what? You got about 10 things good and only three things bad. You're good. Well, it doesn't work that way. Because God is holy, right? Or else he wouldn't be called God. Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. What is his glorious standard? Perfection. Holy. Can we match up to that? Anybody here holy? Nobody. Nobody here perfect. Probably screwed up this morning. You know, that's okay. Hey, I screwed up on in, when, when traffic was here, and I'm like, and I'm like, Lord, I know, I know these people here from Pennsylvania and Jersey <laughs> and, and Quebec. Uh, I don't even know what they're doing here. <laughs> and I'm sitting there in my car, and, I'm, and I have to remind myself, Lord, they created in your image too. So I better start thinking about them like you think about them. Because they bring in the money in so that I can continue to work here. Y'all renting homes. Y'all spending money at the restaurants. Go spend more money. Because if you don't, then there's not going to be any outer banks. I'm just going to let you know. So you guys are really the ones that are keeping us afloat, okay? So praise God for you guys that are here visiting. I'm sorry that the weather was bad today. I can't help you with that. So the destroyer comes in, verse 29. Does this thing, firstborn of every man and beast die. 
And just as God promised, his people were let go. Matter of fact, they were told to get out of here, and we're going to give you stuff to get out of here. Here's some gold, here's some silver. Just get on out because the longer you stay here, the worse things get for us Egyptians. And Moses begins to lead two million people out of Egypt. Two million, what scholars say. Can you imagine a train of people behind you? Two million. All right, y'all, get your unleavened bread. Let's roll, you know. Get your sandals on your feet because if you don't have them on, you're already behind. That verse 29, by faith the people crossed the Red Sea on, on, as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. Let's go to Exodus 14. I know we're jumping around, but that's okay. We're in the Word of God. Exodus 14, let's look at verses 5 and 6 real quick. This is the, the epic part of the story here. And when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants were changed toward the people, and they said, What is this that we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot, and he took his army with him. Skip down to verse 10 with me. Right there in that same chapter 14. Verse 10, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. Uh Uh-oh. And all of a sudden, the faith is down here again, right? And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What a bunch of ungrateful Hebrews. And then we laugh, but guess what we do? God, why have you allowed this thing to happen in my life? You brought me out here to the Outer Banks, and I got rain. Can't even go to the beach. My car broke down. But at least you got Christ. Is his grace sufficient enough or what? But we still like to complain. But God says, I still love you. Complain all you want. You still belong to me. But you better fix that attitude, you know. Verse 12, it's not, it's not this what we said to you in Egypt. Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Man, what a terrible thing to say. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff, stretch out your hands over the sea, and divide it. And the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. Man, look, look at the transformation of Moses, by the way, from being fearful of the Pharaoh to going up to him into, uh, into his chambers, by the way, because Pharaoh could have just been like, man, this guy talking trash to me. Somebody kill him. I mean, you're hearing what he's saying. He's telling, he's telling me to let my slaves go. Who's this guy think he is? Moses' boldness. Why does he have boldness? Because God has not given him a spirit of fear and timidity. Church, we don't have that. He knows who's on his side. If the Lord is with us, who can be against us? Right? And Moses here with his great faith tells the people to fear not because the Lord has brought you salvation today. If you read on in the rest of Exodus, he has gone ahead of you and he will fight for you. And that's awesome to know that God is ahead of us fighting already. But what does this tell us about Moses? His faith encouraged those that were faithless. 
right? You know what these passages also tell us? It says that God wants you to be a hero of faith. That's what God is telling us. I know we've been talking about this whole series about heroes of faith. Now, you may not lead two million people down, uh, 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 down through the Outer Banks all the way across the Atlantic over to England. That would be a long trek. But, he's gonna, but people are watching your life. People are watching your faith to see what is it different about this person who claims Jesus as their Savior. Does my life project my faith in Jesus is the question, church. Does my life project my faith in Jesus? Now, I want to be able to share with those of you who are in here who have not yet trusted Christ as their Savior. You're hearing all this stuff, hearing all this stuff about faith. And I just want to share with you now. Maybe you, you're, you're in here and you said, I have not trusted Christ as my Savior. I didn't know that I was separated from him. I didn't know that my sin was what kept me from having a relationship with God. I'm, I was counting on my good works for a moment, honestly. With our heads bowed, I want to take the time now for you to have that opportunity to pray to God. Lord, I just pray for these people here. God, I pray for somebody, anybody in this room, Lord, who right now they're saying, Jesus, thank you that you died for me on the cross, that your blood has taken away my sin, that you are my substitute because I could not do this myself. This is my first time, Lord. I'm believing in you through your son, Jesus. Thank you that I have crossed over from death to life because of what Jesus has done for me on the cross and that he resurrected three days later, proving that the check had cleared from my soul because Jesus was our perfect, unblemished lamb. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen.